Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler. We are off of the Thanksgiving holiday. We are now into December, and we are steamrolling into Week 13. The Washington Commanders at 4-8 hosting the 8-3 Miami Dolphins, led by head coach Mike McDaniel, quarterback Tua Tungavailoa, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Jalen Ramsey. Guys, the names go on and on. One of the most talented teams from a fundamental standpoint in the game of football that Washington will see in this 2023 campaign, you will see at FedEx Field this weekend. Washington has a battle on their hands this week. There's no way around it. Miami has not lost a game at home this year. 5-0. and But on the road, they're 3-3. Three and three. So for, if you're looking for some little glimmer of positivity... Three and three on the road this year for the Miami Dolphins. Washington coming off a debacle on Thanksgiving. I feel like it's been a long time since we had an episode. It's good to be back. It's good to be talking ball with you guys again. We're going to go into a full offensive and defensive preview of the Dolphins. A unit that lost edge rusher, stud edge rusher, young kid in this league, Jalen Phillips, last week to a torn Achilles, which is just a shame considering... The story that he had, even coming out of college, to where UCLA medically retired the kid, went to Miami, was a high draft pick, and has become a stud on the edge for this Dolphins defense. But he is now gone. He is out for the remainder of the season. Whatever the Dolphins do this fall, it will be without 5-tech Jalen Phillips. However, when you look and you pull the microscope back on this unit, there is talent in abundance. There is no lack of it. There's been a lot of conversations in these last few years. How is Tua going to stay healthy? Is he ever going to stay healthy? You guys remember just last year, the concussion concerns. Heading into 2023, is he going to be the guy? They signed Mike White, who used to be in New York and got some spot starts for the Jets a couple years ago and last year. He is now their backup, and they signed him this offseason just in case Tua wasn't able to stay healthy. They also drafted Skylar Thompson out of Kansas State two years ago. He had spot starts last year as well when Tua was not healthy. He's now QB3 for this offense, but they have some guys in town that in case Tua just wasn't able to stay healthy, they have guys there. But he has been able to stay healthy. And when you look at this Miami Dolphins offense, and this is where we're going to start today, again, 8-3, and and one of, if not the most high-powered offense in the NFL from a skill set perspective. Now, you can have your opinions. Opinions are in abundance as far as what Tua is under center. Is he a game manager? Is he a guy that's a result of the, the product around him, right? The athletes around him. Think about his days at Alabama, right? All the talents, the four, the five stars around him. Think about Mac Jones at Alabama, all those guys. But Tua's come into this offense with Mike McDaniel coming over from the 49ers where he was their offensive coordinator in 2021. But if you guys may have forgotten, he was also a name that was in Ashburn with Matt LaFleur and Kevin O'Connell. 
All those guys that were in Washington. Kyle Shanahan. He was Washington. He was an offensive assistant in Washington for two years, 2011 and 2012. So working alongside RG3. And then 2013, he was Washington's wide receivers coach. But he was never promoted and ultimately went to Cleveland as their wide receivers coach in 2014, was with the Falcons for a couple years, then was with the Niners before taking the head coach position with the Dolphins where he's been now for two years. But this offense is predicated on getting the ball out of Tua's hands quickly. His time to throw on average is 2.3 seconds. It is the fastest in football for anybody in the league that has more than 50 attempts through the year. So the sample size has to be there. There's a couple guys that have maybe five or, five or 10 attempts that have a quicker time to throw, but it doesn't count, right? When you have a sample size like Tua has this year where he has hundreds of attempts, 2.3 seconds, guys, that he takes on average to get the ball out of his hands. So they're not allowing him to sit back for three, three and a half, four seconds, what we saw in years past, to where he would take hits to his head. He would take hits to his ribs, his body, his lower half, bodies around his feet. It's not happening in 2023. It's a lot of screens. It's a lot of over routes. It's a lot of crossers. There is nobody in the game. There's not many people on earth, guys, that can run hip to hip with Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle. You're going to have to go to some track meet somewhere to have a guy potentially run hip to hip with Waddle and specifically with Tyreek Hill, who does have elite speed. I remember seeing something about Tyreek Hill. Don't quote me on this. A couple years ago, that if he ran the 200 meters, because his speed, they, they transferred his average feet per second or whatever it was on a, a long touchdown he had a couple years ago with Kansas City. And if you put him in the Olympic final at the 200 meter, I think he would have finished fifth or sixth. Guys, it's ridiculous. He has world-class speed. And sometimes there is a narrative to where Guys that are track athletes, that have track speed, transferring the track spikes over to football cleats doesn't always translate, right? Think back even to when Dallas had Bullet Bob Hayes, a track star, right? And people always say, well, why don't you Usain Bolt? Just give him some football cleats, just have him run a vert. The guy's 6'5", or whatever he is, and no one's going to be able to keep up with him. However, it's different being an excellent right, track speed and then have the ability to be an excellent football player. And that's what both... Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill are. They're excellent football players. And they're not just guys that are running linear, so north-south, and then just running horizontal and getting the ball in their hands east-west. But sometimes, that's all it takes for them to get in space. So when Tua drops back, he is not making two, three, four reads that sometimes we see from Sam Howell, left to right, right to left, progressions through the defense. He knows that his guy is going to be open immediately. Washington this week. Now, we will see how Washington approaches defense this week. It's going to be a hell of a test now with Jack Del Rio gone. Ron Rivera's first week of leading the defense with Miami coming into town and the skilled players that they have. All I will say to you guys is buckle your damn seatbelts because it's going to be a track meet. You want to talk about Lamborghinis and Ferraris on the outside? That is Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. This team put 70 up earlier in the year. Washington has allowed nearly every team in football to score 35, 40 plus on them all year long. The expectations for this defense? For me, I have no expectations moving forward. 
I don't expect Washington to make a move, whatever happens in this game, at head coach. Because look, we're already in the thick of crap already. 4-8, you're 0-5 in the division. The head coach is already gone. Obviously, Ron has the power, the autonomy, to when he sat down with Martin Mayhew and he sat down with Josh Harris and said, hey, this move I need to make right now. Now, the leash was too long in that aspect. However, there was a move made. And I just do not expect Washington to say, Ron, you're gone. Following this week to when you're going to the bye week, and then you got to travel on the road to the Rams and to the Jets, and then we see our old friend Chase Young come into Washington in the San Francisco 49ers, a Super Bowl contender, on New Year's Eve. So I don't know what to expect from Washington's group this week. I think they're going to show up. I do not expect to see Emmanuel Forbes this week. He hasn't practiced all week again with the elbow. So we haven't seen him in a couple weeks because he was not out there against Dallas. And right now, in my opinion, guys, it may not be an elbow injury. It might be something beyond that. The kid's confidence had to be shot. I still believe in him, as I'm sure a lot of you guys do. But year one for Emmanuel Forbes, not good. And throwing him out there again this week against the names I've talked about a bunch and the names that you guys know, not pretty. So again, the main thing with Miami's offense, where they wear their hat, is with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Sometimes they'll line them on the same side. Sometimes they'll line them in trips and force teams to communicate. But if you run man against Miami, look, it's really extinct across the league. You do not run man against Miami. It's really in the Ten Commandments of defensive football. Do not run against Miami. Do not run man against Miami. And if you do, well, they're going to hang 40 on you in the first half. That's what's going to happen this week if Washington does that. They will run zone. And I'm interested to see how Washington's linebackers over the middle of the field, depth in their drops are going to be huge this week. And what I mean by that is they cannot be four or five yards beyond the defensive lineman, right? Deron Payne, John Allen, the guys up front to where they have crossers going behind their head. Now, you're going to see a lot of robot technique, rollover and back from these linebackers to where they're going to, if they're not running it, they are not. They don't run a lot of play action. They're going to turn their back to the quarterback. They're going to try to get their depth. They're going to turn and try to find the crossers, at least to try to pick them up or at least provide a body over the middle of the field. They're going to try to do that this week. Kalik Hudson is going to be a major, major part of this defense, or at least he should be this week. David Mayo, Cody Barton, not your week to play a lot of snaps for me, in my opinion, guys, in my opinion. You need athletes at the second level. The onus on the secondary this week, Cam Curl, Percy Butler, St. Just, and Fuller. Gonna be a humongous test for this group. It's been a hell of a test all year long because Washington really hasn't been able to get after the passer at all, really, since they traded Chase and Montez at the deadline. But when they, with Miami's abilities to get the ball out of to his hands so darn quick, it's what they do up front in the run game, how they use fullback Alec Ingold as a blocker. He's a nasty blocker, keeping him inside his extra protection. And they have their front five that's been pretty good. They've only allowed 11 sacks all year long, guys, comparatively to the Giants who lead the league with 69 and Washington, second in the league with 55. So think about that. They've only allowed 11 sacks comparatively to Washington's 55. Now, some of that goes into Sam Howell not getting the ball out of his hands. Some of that goes in to pressure up front. 
Not to say Miami's front five is one of the best in football. It's not. They've had a lot of guys bounce around. We will see if Teron Armstead aligns at left tackle this week. He's been battling injury. He's reportedly week to week earlier this week, but he's been a limited participant in practice these first few few days of this week. And now as we sit here on Friday, we will see what his game status is. Again, recording this on Friday morning, so they're yet to practice and the injury report is yet to come out. But we will see if he aligns at left tackle. But there's been a bunch of different names along this group. But when you get the ball out, it doesn't matter. You're asking them to anchor, get their hands out, and just be a road cone and allow us to use our skill sets on the perimeter. So that is their skill, guys. Now let's move into the running backs to where they also got speed. Guys, drafted Devon A-Chain, who had a hell of a start to his career, went over 100 yards in three consecutive games, including a 200-yard game earlier in the season, but he's only played one game since week five, and that was last week against Las Vegas, where he just had one carry for one yard. He's been a limited participant as well on their injury report. You look at the Dolphins' injury report, they probably got 15, 20 guys on there, but there's only two guys at the top that haven't practiced all week. We're going to get to that on the opposite side of the ball, a major name in their defensive secondary that most likely will not be out there this week, and in Javon Holland, who we will talk about again in just a little bit when we get to their defense. But at running back, it's Raheem Mostert, and it's Devon A-Chain, as I mentioned. Again, rookie out of Texas A&M, but Raheem is their bell cow. They don't ask him to carry it 25 times a game. They ask him to be that change of pace. And when I say change of pace, literally, I don't think there's a faster running back in football. There's some guys with some juice, guys, but I don't think north-south, when he picks up speed, that there's a faster guy in football than Raheem Mostert. So I talked about the Lamborghini and Ferrari that is Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. Well, you got your McLaren and Raheem Mostert. And Devon A-Chain, I mean, I'm running out of luxury cars here. I'm running out of supercars. He's basically a uh, those F1 cars that you see running in uh, Le Mans or wherever they race nowadays, Monaco. That's what Devon A-Chain is. They have speed everywhere. Athletes in space is the name of the game. And that is the Mike McDaniel offense, both on the ground and through the air. Tua is not a guy that is going to scramble around and pick up 50, 60 yards as a rusher. That's not his game. He wants to stand inside the pocket and just be efficient, keep the ball out of precarious situations, and let your guys on the outside just be athletes. That's what he's got. It's a really nice job if you're Tua Tungavailoa. It's a nice gig to have when you got guys when you just look on the outside with Tyreek and Jalen. And by the way, they have Braxton Berrios. If you guys aren't familiar with him, he'll be in the slot. He'll play outside. More of that Curtis Samuel, sure-handed type of weapon. But he's also a guy that has special teams experience as a returner. So he can make guys miss in space as well. So Washington has an opportunity to limit Tyreek Hill, limit Jalen Waddle, because you're not going to stop them. It's going to be guys like Braxton Berrios. So just real quick, coming back to the offensive skill set in the backfield with Raheem Mostert. Again, Raheem Mostert and Devon A-Chain. Jeff Wilson will also potentially get some snaps if A-Chain is out. But it is the Raheem Mostert show in the backfield to where he'll get 15 to 20 carries depending on the game script. If they're up 30 in the fourth quarter, you're not going to see a lot of Raheem. You're going to see some Raheem Mostert, but you're most likely going to see Jeff Wilson. Again, if A-Chain cannot go. Or you're just going to see him hand it off to Alec Ingold even though he's got two carries on the year, you only can dress 48, right? Five guys inactive every single week. 
So I'm hoping Washington keeps this thing close. I'm trying to stay positive here, guys. But the skilled players here on offense are damn good. And I didn't even mention a guy like Cedric Wilson, who they brought over from Dallas, and he has not lived up to expectations. But he's a talented dude. So let's get in to the front five before we talk about the tight ends real quick. You know what? I'll just talk about tight ends real quick. It's it, Because they're not heavily involved, guys. It's Durham Smythe. He'll line primarily in the slot. Not going to be flexed out. Not going to be in line a lot. More that in the slot, sure hands in the five yards of the offense. More that third and three, second and three type of guy. Not a dynamic athlete at all. Just a veteran presence that will stick his face in as a blocker. And that would that is what, again, Durham Smythe is for this offense. So up front, again, I mentioned Teron Armstead. We will see if he plays this week. But along this front, the only position that I feel like is set in stone, you're going to see Connor Williams. Our old friend Connor Williams from seeing him twice with the Dallas Cowboys year after year is their center. You're going to see Liam Eikenberg at right guard and Austin Jackson, former first round pick out of USC back in the COVID year, who's had a really nice year for them. The left side is up and down. Probably going to see Lester Cotton, who worked last week. And then if it's not Armstead, it's not going to be Kendall Lamb. He hasn't practiced all week long. It is most likely going to be Keon Smith, a former UDFA back in 2021. UDFA, guys, if you don't know what that means, undrafted free agent. So he was not drafted in the seven rounds of his respective draft. Again, back in 2021 out of Fayetteville State, and he played in week eight where he had five snaps, and then he came in rotationally last week against the Jets and played 21 snaps. So right now, he could be in line to start, and really maybe it is, it would be his first NFL start, if my numbers are correct here, would be his first career NFL start. Pretty cool story for a guy out of a small school in Fayetteville State because the name that resonates with any of you guys, Josh Williams, the corner that was taken by Kansas City back in 2022, was their highest ever drafted guy out of the program in North Carolina. Very small school, HBCU in North Carolina. He was also from that program. So KJ Henry, Casey Tuhill, Andre Jones, we're probably not going to see James Smith Williams this week. He hasn't practiced all week long. So at left tackle, now Tua is unique, right? He's the only left-handed quarterback in the game. The left side of the line of scrimmage is not his blind side. It's his right side. It's the reason why they drafted Austin Jackson back in 2020. So with Keon being on his arm side, they're probably going to give him help. They're probably going to have a tight end line to his hip. They're probably going to have Alex Ingold on that side as well to give him help. Even though Washington's defensive, the edges, is not scary. Now, Deron Payne, John Allen, they got to win this week. I need to see more from both of those guys. The focus, as it always is, not just this year, has always been for offenses to limit 93 and limit 94. But when I look at Miami's offense, I mentioned it at the top, they're going to get the ball out quick. That is their game plan. So they're going to limit the pass rush. What's the easiest way, right, to limit that pass rush and limit guys from pinning their ears back and getting after you? Get the ball out quick or run it at them. They're not going to be doing a lot of running up the middle. It's going to be a lot of outside zone, pinning and pulling. What I mean by that is if they align the tight end inside, he's going to be coming in and pinning those edge rushers inside. And here comes Austin Jackson as a puller around him or on the opposite side where they're going to have Keon Smith pulling in space. 
Or they could have Alex Engel behind him as well. A lot of pinning and pulling on the edges to get their athletes in space and take it the distance. This is an offense that wants to consistently create chunk plays. All right, so that is their front five. So now let's flip over. That is their offense. Guys, it is a dynamic group, athletic group, and I can't say it enough is that Washington, they will not stop them. They will put up points this week, but it's trying to limit them as much as possible. They get in the red zone, limit them to field goal opportunities. That's what you got to do. Bend, but not, but do not break. That is the mantra. That should be plastered on everybody's locker this week. And moving forward, bend but don't break. You can, it's fine you can give up field goals, but you start giving up touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. Then you run into trouble. Now, in that same breath, all, the offense has to have some sort of drives, right? Keep the defense off the field. Keep them fresh. That's where depth comes into play. But this defense cannot be on the field for 40 plus minutes this week, 45 minutes or more, and ask them to hold this team under 30 because that's not going to happen. So let's flip over to the defensive side of the football. Again, I mentioned earlier that they may be without Javon Holland in the secondary. Just a fantastic player. Second rounder back in 2021 out of Oregon has been an excellent find. One of the best free safeties, in my opinion, in all of football that really just receives no attention because there's so many studs on in Miami on offense and defense. But let's start up front. This is going to be a 3-4, a little bit of a hybrid attack. From this group, you're going to see Zach Seiler, Raekwon Davis, and Christian Wilkins as their big boys up front. The focus for me turns to Christian Wilkins, former first-rounder out of Clemson, one of the most charismatic guys in football, just a hilarious figure, really cool dude. Um, He's one of those guys you root for, and this week, I'm not rooting for him, but overall, just Christian Wilkins is just a really cool individual and as a hell of a football player, he can he can just wreak havoc. He primarily aligns at that three tech, so outside the shoulder of the guard, and the hill line is at four eye, meaning head up on the offensive tackle. You're not going to see him a lot in that one tech or as that zero tech right in front of the center's nose. They want to get him out in some space and also give him some free lanes sometimes to where he's not always going to have his hand in the dirt. He'll stand up and have those free alleys to just attack that outside shoulder and get into the backfield. So I look at left guard Chris Paul. And I look at right guard Sam Cosme, they're going to have their work cut out for them guys this week. Zach Seiler, again, as I mentioned, he's on the opposite side of Christian Wilkins. He can wreak some havoc uh, on that opposite side. He's got nine pressures in his last three games. Guys, so he's go- he has the ability to consistently push the pocket. Now on the perimeter, again, three-fourths, they're going to have those two outside linebackers that sometimes work in the fringes, fringes, excuse me, but primarily pin their ears back and want to get after Sam Howell this week. Again, I mentioned Jalen Phillips. He will not be out there and he will not be out there for the rest of the 2023 campaign. And the best to him in his rehab, because again, he's an exciting young player, an exciting young pass rusher in this league. And he was having a hell of a season for Miami, but stepping up in his place is going to be guys like Andrew Van Ginkle. And by the way, no slouch in the form of Andrew Van Ginkle, all right? Look, very unique name. If I'm an offensive tackle and I see a guy lining opposite me with the name Van Ginkle, I'm just saying, look, I'm not letting a guy with the name Van Ginkle beating me. That's it. I'm not letting it happen. But this guy can play ball, guys. Very experienced guy, fifth rounder back in 2019 out of Wisconsin, High motor, really good hands, ability to win the edge. The snaps were consistent or more consistent 
in the beginning of the year where he nearly played about 75 to 80% of the snaps. The last four or five weeks have been up and down to where you look at week seven at Philly, he had 43 snaps, and then week eight, he has 14 that next week in a divisional game at home against New England. But the pressures, I mean, he could at times take over a football game. And now by no means is he Miles Garrett, Micah Parsons, TJ Watt, any of those guys. But week two against New England, five pressures in a sack. Week five against the Giants, eight pressures in a sack. And then last week at the Jets where he only had 29 snaps. And 12 of those snaps were on passes. So 12 pass rushing opportunities. He had five pressures. So nearly 50% of his snaps last week resulted in a pressure. So that tells me he's been a DPR for this team, designated pass rusher, DPR. And he is somebody that can get after the quarterback. And by no means have Charles Leno and Andrew Wiley been really good this year right? Tackle, I think we can all agree, as it was last year, that they need help at that spot again. It's the same stuff we've been talking about. It's the same stuff. Last year, we sat here and said, Washington needs help at tackle. And here we are again in the later portions of 2023 into week 13 at 4-8 saying we need tackle help. And same positional groups that we'll talk about more and more as we head towards the draft, it's the same stuff that needs help. Same positional groups. But this tackle group this week is going to be tested because not only is it Andrew Van Ginkle, it is Bradley Chubb, former first-rounder out of NC State, who leads the Miami Dolphins in sacks with eight. You would think he would love to get to 10 and get that incentive in his contract, that double-digit sack total. That's what he wants to get this week. And if I'm Bradley Chubb and I'm Van Ginkle and I'm any of, the, any of these guys, Christian Wilkins, Zach Seiler, Raekwon Davis in the middle, they want to get their sack totals up this week to where it's not just four or five. They want to get eight, nine, ten sacks potentially this week. So it's going to be important, as I mentioned with Miami, to get the ball to their hands quickly for Tua on Sam's side of things with Eric Bieniemy scheming guys open on the outside. They're going to be tested this week along that front five and what they do from a pressure perspective and sending linebackers like Jerome Baker and David Long, who aren't the best linebackers in football, but they're a nice veteran tandem at the middle of this defense that will live inside the hashes and wreak havoc and really feed off of the front that's in front of them. When they create gaps, they'll attack them. They understand how to fit in the run, unlike a lot of Washington's linebackers. Not five yards downfield, right at the line of scrimmage. They see an alley, they're going to trust their eyes, they play instinctive, they play with their hair on fire, and they're going to make tackles. Veterans in this league, they've seen it all offensively. Now we take a step back to their secondary, where there is a ton of talent. And another week, and and I'm glad it's another week where Sam Howell is going to be tested, because guys, it's only going to make him better. It's only going to make him better. Now I know Sam Howell currently leads the league in passing yards. A lot of that is because Washington has been trailing. But at the end of the day, he's first in passing yards in football. Good. Good for Sam. He's had a good year. There's been ups and downs. We expected it. Now it's about kind of tailoring back those mistakes, those turnover-worthy plays, and trying to take what's given underneath, play game manager at time, not having to play hero ball, which we've seen at times over the last month of the season. Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel all expect to be healthy this week and getting work on the outside. 
the matchups of those three against Xavier Howard, who has had an okay year, but a veteran in this league and sticky in man coverage. But just a couple years ago, he led the NFL in interceptions. So you know he has that in his bag. Jalen Ramsey, who they brought over from the Los Angeles Rams, one of the premier corners in football, who, by the way, even though he has only played, again, just two games this season, and they're going to need him moving forward. As, it, <laughs> as this Miami Dolphins unit moves forward into the thick of the AFC race, guys, when I look at Jalen Ramsey and what he's done this year, whether any, there, there were some conversations as far as is Jalen going to be the same guy after injury? What is he going to be, right? Well, he's played four games this year, guys. Came back in week eight against New England. All right, was targeted three times. Allowed one catch. Came back that next week at Kansas City against Patrick Mahomes. Was targeted three times. Allowed two catches. Four, 13 yards. Week 11, after their bye week, against Las Vegas at home, was targeted 10 times. Why? Primarily, he was covering who? Devontae Adams. 10 targets allowed one catch for four yards. And then last week against the New York Jets with Garrett Wilson. Allowed three catches on three targets for 25 yards. He is an elite man corner in football. So whoever he is on this week, I like our guys. I like our guys a lot, guys. You know that. And I don't think Eric Bieniemy nor is Sam Howell going to be scared to test these guys in the perimeter because you're not going to shy away from anything at the NFL level. Got good players everywhere. Now it's just about finding ways to take advantage of their lack of certain things in certain areas of their game. For me, Jalen Ramsey isn't a blazer on the outside. I want him to extend that stride and try to stay hip to hip with Terry McLaurin. I want him to try and do that because if they're without Javon Holland this week as that free safety, they're going to have guys back there potentially... Again, if Holland's not there in the form of Brandon Jones, who hasn't had a lot of snaps, or Elijah Campbell, who also hasn't had a lot of snaps. I want Washington to potentially, if they get the time, to test that third level and extend it. That 20 to 30 to 35 yard range, the deeper portions of the roof of that secondary. Again, if Holland is not there, they got to take some shots this week. You see man to man, give your guy a shot, Sam Howell, if you have the time. But these guys are excellent. Cater Kohu, who lived at outside corner last year and early portions of this year, what a hell of a find he has been for this Miami Dolphins scouting staff. Former UDFA out of Texas A&M Commerce, guys. Not Texas A&M and College Station and the SEC. Texas A&M Commerce, all right? Coming into Miami and has had an excellent, excellent start to his young career. However, he lives in the slot. Curtis Samuel lives in the slot primarily. Reduce Jahan Dotson inside. Reduce Terry inside. Deami Brown taking those shots on those little seam shots up the hole. He's the one to test this week, guys. You get in, man. Test Cater Kohu. All right, talented young corner, but living in the slot with open air to either shoulder, it's a tough place to live at the NFL level. But he's done a decent job. But he's, he's the one to, to really test. He can get targeted about five, six, seven times a game as he has these last few weeks to where you could get 40, 50, 60, 70 yards on the guy. We know Washington's talent on the perimeter. This is the guy to go after if you get those man-to-man matchups. If I'm Sam Howell. If I'm Sam Howell. Again, I don't expect Washington to be shy this week. But there are talents on the perimeter that will take the ball away. The big thing heading into 2023 for Washington was turnover margin. Winning turnover margin. 
Haven't done that a lot these last this last month of the season. Now, I don't know if the season is beyond reach. I don't know if getting back to 500 football will do anything for this football team right now. When you look at it right now, Washington has the fifth overall pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. Is it a tackle? Is it an edge rusher? Is it a tight end like Brock Bowers out of Georgia? You would be in a spot at number five to take a guy like Brock Bowers. Everything I've heard is he is going to be expected to go between five and seven. We will talk about that down the road. I don't want to get into major draft talk with you guys right now. We're going to get into a little bit of it next week. We talk about some guys that fit Washington's scheme on offense and defense and names to know for the 2024 NFL draft during Washington's bye week. All right, so that's next week, an episode to look forward to. But with the fifth overall pick right now in this draft, excuse me, Chicago is ahead of them. They're also at four and eight. Now, I'm not the tiebreaker guy, but Chicago beat Washington. And if Chicago, they're on a bye this week, they come back next week and play the Lions. If Washington loses against Miami this week, Washington bumps up to the fourth overall pick in this year's draft. Do they eventually trade that? Do they take it? Who knows? We'll talk about that down the line, as I just mentioned. But that is the Miami Dolphins. Guys, at safety, I mentioned it a bunch of times. We will see if Javon Holland plays. It's a major, major glue guy in the back end of their defense. A lot like what Cam Curl is for Washington's group. A lot like he is. All right, but if he doesn't play this week, it is going to be Deshaun Elliott, who's lived there at the strong spot, and potentially Elijah Campbell or Brandon Jones. So again, that is the Miami Dolphins. Special teamers, kicker is Jason Sanders. Punter is Jake Bailey. You're going to see Braxton Berrios returning kicks and returning punts. In a worst-case scenario where the game is... T- is For them, from a worst-case scenario, if the game is tied or it's close, you're going to see Tyree Kill or Jalen Waddle back there returning kicks or returning punts to potentially flip the field or potentially even more returning back for six. But you're going to see Berrios return punts and kicks for this group. So again, that is the 8-3 Miami Dolphins. They are currently atop the AFC East. Washington is on the opposite. They are on the bottom of the NFC East after, again, losing to the New York Giants twice. The Giants are 4-8. It's been an ugly year for Washington. Hopefully getting back and showing some positives, at least being competitive this week. Now, in that same token, what is competitive for this week? Is it within two touchdowns? I don't know. Maybe even within three touchdowns is competitive this week because you lost by 35 last week in a nationally televised game to the Dallas Cowboys, who, by the way, just won again on Thursday Night Football last night against the Seattle Seahawks. But we all know how this story goes with Dallas, guys, don't we? Don't we? Right? Same old. So that's going to do it, guys, for today's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. Again, I'll have a post-game pod out for you guys early on Monday morning, win, loss, or tie, hoping for a Washington win. I am not on the train, or nor will I ever be on the train of hoping for losses, hoping to tank for a better draft pick. Because by the way, guys, the football guys got to do their football job and make the correct selections. You can have the first overall pick for four, five, six, seven years, or a top 10 pick for all those years. All right, Washington's had top 20 picks consistently for the last four, five, six years. Where has that gotten them right now? Because I look at guys the last few years, right? I look at Phil Mathis, a second round pick. I look at Jamin Davis. I look at Emmanuel Forbes, right? These are the guys that Washington's taken. Jahan Dotson's been a nice pick. What about Jami Brown, right? Top 100 pick. Sam Cosme, Benjamin St. Just, 
These are the guys that they're picking. So I will never root for losing or tanking to get a higher draft pick because you still got to do your due diligence and find the right guy for your scheme and not pigeonholing guys like we've seen with Emmanuel Forbes this year as a top 20 pick. A cover three corner asking him to play man against A.J. Brown. What the hell are we doing? All right, so first game of Ron Rivera as a defensive coordinator. Who the hell knows? As I mentioned at the top, buckle up. Buckle up. All right, so I will talk to you guys on Monday. Hope you guys enjoyed. I am on Twitter. If you don't follow me there already, underscore Ryan Fowler. My written work is housed at Bleacher Report. And again, we'll talk to you guys on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the excellent slate of college football. It's college football championship weekend kicking off tonight, Friday, 8 o'clock. Washington and Oregon. We got the Big 12, SEC, Big 10, ACC. On Saturday, we get the CFP final rankings coming in the next couple days. Guys, it's a hell of a week of football. Just sit on your couch on Saturday or really starting Friday night. Chill on your couch. Watch football. Watch a lot of guys that Washington could potentially take in the 2024 NFL Draft. There is talent in abundance. And one name I want you guys to keep an eye on is offensive tackle Amarius Mims from the University of Georgia. He will be facing that Alabama front with Chris Braswell and Dallas Turner. So it's a hell of a test for him this week and one of the premier tackles in this class, a potential top 10 pick in the 2024 draft when we get to April and a potential tackle that could slide in right away for Washington if they sit at five or they at four, they get to six, seven, eight potentially in this draft. We will see as these games progress. But again, just one name for you guys to especially keep an eye on, big boy Amarius Mims who will line at tackle for this Georgia Bulldogs group on the right side against, again, names to know, Dallas Turner, edge rusher for Alabama that may be in the Burgundy Gold next year, and Chris Braswell, another edge rusher that's going to be taken most likely in the top 60 picks next April. So as always, appreciate you guys. Enjoy the weekend of football and enjoy Washington hosting the 8-3 Miami Dolphins. I'm always going to be positive, rooting for a win for this club. They need one. They need some positivity in this group now with changes already happening and coming in the near future. So again, thank you guys. I'm on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your pods. I'll talk to you on Monday. I'm Ryan Fowler, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.